I want to invite you to go ahead and take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 46. Genesis chapter 46. And what great themes we see in this text, themes that we see in all of the Scripture itself. As you think about the themes of reunion, the, the themes of resurrection, you think about how God has demonstrated that to us over and over in the Old and New Testament, just this idea of reuniting with individuals and the life that God gives us, even as we think of the resurrection. Now, reunions, those can be good, can't they? Reunions can be awesome. Now, some of you look at me and say, are you sure about that? I mean, are you talking about family reunions? Because family reunions can be good, but they also can cause a little stress in your life. Some of you probably attended family reunions this summer, or you may have some coming up. Or maybe you've got family in right now, and you're just sitting there and saying, I'm not saying a word about family today, all right? But family reunions can, can offer us good moments, but of course, you know, there's stressful moments of remembering Uncle Sam's name. Sam's so simple, but you would think you would remember that name, but you have trouble remembering Uncle Sam and Aunt Betsy and all the different ones that are there and having to kind of work through that. Sometimes it, it may seem like it brings stress to you, but a true reunion. I'm talking about a moment where you haven't seen somebody maybe in many, many years, somebody that was very dear to you, and all of a sudden God just brought them back into your life. How joyful can that be? How wonderful it can be. I love being able to see, in particular, our men and women of the military return home. And, and especially those moments where, like, they surprise their family being back. That, that's one of the good things about social media maybe today. There are many bad things about it, but there are a few good things. That is, we can share in those moments with people. Like when that dad shows up in the classroom. Or that mom surprises that daughter when they have come back after an extended period of leave. You can almost rejoice with them, can you not? When you see that happen and there's joy in your heart, you can celebrate with them. Well, I want to share with you this reunion that occurs in Joseph's life. And let me say to you that you and I get to celebrate what God gives us here to remind us that he has the power of reunion and that he has the power of resurrection. So Genesis chapter 46, beginning in verse 1. Well, actually, let's look at verse 6. So they took their livestock and their goods, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and went to Egypt, Jacob and all his descendants with him. Now remember, Joseph had identified himself to his brothers. Joseph had been, of course, sold into slavery there in Egypt. He had risen to the power of prominence. He was the prime minister, second in charge. His brothers, his family, they come to Egypt to try to find sustenance, to try to find provision during the moment of famine. And as they come down to Egypt and as there's this back and forth, eventually Joseph stands there and in his Hebrew tongue, he speaks his name. He identifies himself to his brothers. 
And you'll remember that he said to his brothers, go get my dad. I want you to go get my dad, and I want you to bring my dad back. Now, remember, it had been 22-plus years since he had seen his dad. His dad was the one who had doted on him, who had loved him. And Joseph said, go get my daddy. I want to see my dad. You go back. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you the wagons that you need. Pharaoh hears about it. Pharaoh intercedes. Pharaoh says, hey, your family, my family. You do whatever you need to do to get them back down to Egypt. So they send the wagons. They give them new clothes. Five to six days in this journey, they head back to Canaan. And they tell Jacob that Joseph is alive. We're going to get back to that in a moment. But look at Jacob's response, basically. Jacob says, well, let's go. Let's see Joseph. Let, I am ready to get to Egypt. And here in this passage, it says that they gather all the things together, all their goods, and they begin to make their way to Egypt. Verse 7 says, his sons and his sons' sons, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. And then we have a list of all the different names, all the different people who were involved in this caravan. Some 66, not counting his daughters-in-law. Now that must have been a journey, right? What a road trip. Five to six days maybe approximately 250 miles that they travel, 66-plus people, all your family, heading down to Egypt. A road trip. Sounds like a horrific trip to me. Some of you have been on road trips with your family before. Can you imagine what this must have been like? Benjamin's boy sitting there on the back seat of that wagon. Gira looks over, and he just begins to just try to needle R just a little bit. Just a li- He's touching me. He's touching. And, and this back and forth, and, and you've been there before, right? Like, there is an invisible line right here. Do not cross. Some of you, come on, people, amens. The gathering is full of them this morning. They know exactly. It must have been a trip as Sarah looked at her dad, Asher, and said, Hey, could, could, could we stop on a bathroom break now? I mean, <laughs> bath, somewhere along the line. Don't you know if we stop every so often, we're never going to get to where we're going? Right, guys? Guys, where are you? You're afraid of your... Can you imagine all of them coming down together, all the family, 66 plus, all from Israel, all from Canaan, headed down to Egypt. And you know, you know that inevitable, infamous, off-repeated question finally comes up. Are we there yet? Are we there I mean, five to six days. I know some of you are like, oh, I can't believe you're talking. These are flesh and blood people, all right? Universal language. They, they, must have, they must have thought through this. They must have had quite a journey down 
to Egypt. Hey, that's not even considering the culture clash that is about to occur. Because you've got the backwoods folks of Canaan about to step in to the elite, the civilized area of Egypt. And I don't, don't, I, I don't think I exaggerate here of talking about how you've got these country folks from Canaan coming to the great city and town there in Egypt. As a matter of fact, I went and did a little research this week. I studied very hard for this message, as you can tell by my illustrations this morning already, I guess. But I went and searched, and I found a picture of the lead wagon with Jacob in it. I think I have it this morning. There's Jacob up front. I think that's Leah in the back back there. One of Benjamin's boys and daughter, you know, because he's the favorite. One of their the grandkids are up there with them probably. I'm telling you, the people of Canaan were rugged. They were coming to Egypt, the civilized area. It was like Duck Dynasty somehow met GQ. They were to turn in their camo and they were to embrace the Hollywood glitz of Egypt. But they all came down. Why did they come down? Because there was going to be a great reunion. Look at this in verse 28. If you'll skip there this morning. Oh, what a passage. Verse 28. And then he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out before him the way to Goshen. And they came to the land of Goshen. So Jacob sends Judah in this sense of mission and purpose to go and prepare the way to get everything together. Verse 29, so Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. And he presented himself to him. Joseph gets word, your dad has come down. Your dad is almost here. And Joseph says, get the horses hitched. Get my chariot ready. Let me get to see my dad. Again, 22 plus years since he had seen his dad. He thought he would never see his dad again. His dad thought he would never see his son again. And yet here, because of God's power and God's sovereignty and God's work, God is bringing together the father and son. And the scripture says that Joseph presents himself to his dad. That word present mean, presents means something like to uh, demonstrate splendor or glory. In other words, here's Joseph in all of his Egyptian regalia, wardrobe, in all of the glitz, all of the wonder of Egypt, and he presents himself to his daddy. Now, as I have read through this many times, I've thought to myself of what Jacob must have been experiencing. Jacob certainly must have experienced the pride of seeing his son and the happiness and the joy 
And he must have reveled in the idea that God had brought Joseph to this point. But the longer I'm a dad, the more I realize that in all the splendor, all of the grandeur that we see in our children, we often still see them just as they were when they were maybe one or two or three. When you see them just as the kids that they were. One of the commentaries, one of the commentators said this. On his journey, Jacob sent Judah in advance to inform Joseph of his arrival. He hastened to receive his father in the borderland of Goshen. Their meeting, after so long a parting, was most affectionate and touching. The Hebrew expression rendered in our authorized version, Joseph presented himself unto him, implies extraordinary splendor of appearance. But when in the presence of his Hebrew father, the great Egyptian Lord was once more only the lad Joseph. I probably am going to embarrass my children. It's a daily routine I do. If you want to show up my house, I perform this show very often, by the way. But I think about my daughter Abigail. It's 15 now. I show up, watch her cheer and do those kinds of things. Uh, she has grown into a wonderful young lady, a beautiful young lady. But when I look at her again, I still see that little girl many, many years ago that would crawl across the uh, living room floor and wrestle with me on the ground. Uh, and I still see her that way. Now, one of, the, one of these moments, one of these days, I'm probably going to see her differently. But as far as it is right now, I don't know if I'll ever see her outside of that small child that God blessed me with many, many years ago. And that's why I say to you that when Jacob looks at Joseph, no matter what Joseph's dressed in, no matter what type of grandeur is presented, I think Joseph still, or Jacob still sees that little boy that he loved all those years in Canaan. And look at the expression of love. See, I know I mention this often, but I'm so proud God gives us these tender moments in Scripture. I'm so proud He just gives it to us in its raw, authentic form. Because it says, when they see each other, when Joseph sees his dad, he presents himself to his dad and fell on his neck and wept on his neck. And I like this translation, a good while. He just hugged him and embraced him. And they just, they just stood there for a good while. You know that was the truth. You, you know that you would be experiencing that same type of emotion and love. And you would know this. God had to be involved in this to bring about this reunion. That word present can also be used in the Old Testament to speak of like an Old Testament theophany. That is, the presence of God involved in the presence of God demonstrating itself 
in the people's presence. Well, the reason I think that word is partly used here is because this is a God moment. God's presence is all over this. God himself had shown his power. God himself had shown his sovereignty. And God had overcome the geographical barriers, the cultural barriers. He had overcome all of that to bring these two back together. Jacob, verse 30, or Israel, said to Joseph, Now let me die since I have seen your face, because you're still alive. When I read that, I've seen your face, I naturally thought about Jacob. Back when he was wrestling with God himself earlier in Genesis, Genesis chapter 32 or so, as he was wrestling with him, And at the end of that wrestling match, after Jacob had begged this man, this individual, this God to somehow bless him, he wanted to name it like Peniel or the face of God because he said, I have seen the face of God. So now here's Jacob who had seen the face of God and he's He's looking at his son. He says, now I can die because I've seen your face. And it's almost like he's saying, it's like God himself has shown me your face. I have seen God's presence through this. I've seen God work through this. And this is what I want you to hear today. God can bring about impossible reunions. God can take many miles God can take many issues. God can take many hurts and pains. And God can overcome all of those to bring reunions in our relationships and in our lives. You don't doubt it for a moment. Some of you have probably thought, there's no way I'll ever be reconciled with that individual. I may never see that person again, much less come to... uh, Reconnection or refellowship with them. God has got the ability to do anything. There are no reunions that are impossible with God. God can take people's hearts and lives and change them, and He can bring you back together with people. And I want you to hear that over and over because even those of us who've experienced pain, and, and, and Joseph had experienced immense pain. Some of you say, well, his daddy wasn't always the one behind it. Listen, he had experienced all kinds of wounds, all kinds of pain, and somehow he was able to move past those, those things and embrace his dad and be reunited in this tender, wonderful fashion. Our God has a way of bringing about impossible reunions because of this. Our God has the power to bring about resurrections. You see, reunion and resurrection, I think, those themes go together. Here there's a reunion because there has been a resurrection. Some of you look at me and say, Reggie, what do you mean there's been a resurrection? Look at the words of verse 30 again. He says, 
Israel, that is. Jacob says, Now let me die since I have seen your face because you are still alive. You're alive. Why would Jacob make that statement? Because he had thought Joseph was dead. He thought he was gone. Go back and look at when Jacob first hears that Joseph is alive. When the brothers come back and they give the report, you ought to go back and look at it because it says that Jacob's heart stands still like he's numb because this Joseph was supposed to be dead. And all of a sudden, they're telling him that he is alive. It says that Jacob's spirit is resurrected, that his spirit is revived because he hears that there has been a resurrection, a revival of Joseph's life. Because for all practical purposes, Joseph had been resurrected. They had had all the ceremonies. They had had all of the times of mourning and grief. 22 years ago, they had sat around and they had mourned. They had wept over Joseph's death. And now, he's alive. Jacob knew the power of resurrection. Hey, if I were to go back, and some of you say this is maybe loosely connected. Well, just hang with me just a moment, all right? Genesis 22. Abram takes Isaac to sacrifice him. God has told Abram to take Isaac and to offer him up as a sacrifice. So Abram in faith takes that young man. That young man goes with his dad. He offers himself willingly on an altar. Abram raises the knife to offer the sacrifice. And out of heaven, God speaks, tells him to stop, wait. And there is a ram that is there in the bushes that is to be used as the substitute sacrifice. When you read through Genesis 22 and you hear the the life of it, you you hear the, uh, the difficulty of it as well. One thing you have to know is God gave Isaac back to Abram. I, I, would, I would say, hey, I know some of you hold on with me, okay, look at I would say that Isaac himself was resurrected because he was as good as dead. Look, look at the New Testament and the way it refers to it. He was as good as dead, and yet... God brought life back to him and gave him back to his dad. And now Jacob, who had heard the story of how his dad Isaac had been given back, now Jacob knows what it's like to experience the power of the resurrection because Joseph has been given back to him. Because our God is in the power of the resurrecting business. We often think of it just in the New Testament terms, but... God has always been about the resurrecting business. He's always been about life. 
The resurrection was known in Jacob's life. And this is what's cool. We can still know the power of resurrection in our lives. For a God to have the power to bring back to life that one they thought was dead, to reunite him with his family, to know that a God has that power is to understand that that same God has the power and the ability to work in our lives to bring about not only reunions, but literal resurrections. First, for those who are lost and who are away from him, he has the power to resurrect their lives and to bring them life. We believe that. We preach it every Sunday. We talk about it continually. We believe he has the power still of resurrection. Remember the prodigal son who had gone off, who had gone about his own business, who wanted to uh, just live his life the way he wanted to? And Do you remember his father's response? When the son returns home, the father says something like this. Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry, for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. In other words, what that father said was, my son's been resurrected. My son lives. He was dead, but now he lives. So you know this, that prodigal, that individual who's going off on his own way, God has the power to resurrect him or her and to bring life back into that situation. You've got to believe that. Again, Jacob knew, hey, you would not have to argue with Jacob. Jacob would tell you in a moment, hey, our God's got the power of resurrection. For 22 years, I thought my son was dead, and all of a sudden, he is alive. He is in Egypt. He is ruling in such a way that he is able to take care of the rest of us. Jacob would testify and say, don't you doubt for a moment that God has the power of resurrection. And today, for us, we need to continue to know the power of the resurrection through Christ. Reunion and resurrection. God can do it now in our lives. And for us as believers, we know he can do it in the future. First Thessalonians chapter 4. When I think of the Joseph reunion resurrection in Genesis, I can almost sense the reunion and the resurrection that God has in store for us one of these days. As outlined by the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrows sorrow as others who have no hope. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. What a reunion. What a reunion. For many of us, we have gone through separation, temporary separation with our loved ones. Maybe it's been 5, 10, 15, 25 years. Maybe it's been 22 years. Who knows? But the God who brought Jacob and Joseph back together is the God of the New Testament who says he will bring us together even if death itself separates us. That if we're believers in Christ, that if we have trusted him and death has tried to pull us apart in our relationships, he says one of these days just know there will be a reunion. What a day that's going to be. Because the longer I stay in ministry, I, I, I've heard this from older preachers for years, but now that I'm becoming a little older, I didn't say old, but becoming a little older, I realize this. I got as many friends in heaven now as I have here on this earth. I'm grateful that one day there will be a reunion that will be brought about. That's what Paul says. One of these days we will meet them. Can you imagine the tenderness of it? The wonderful type of embracing and love and tenderness. The Genesis 46 passage will have probably nothing on us as we recognize the moment of reunion. But the only reason we can have the hope of reunion is because there was a resurrection. Right? The, the only reason Joseph could have a reunion with Jacob is because basically God resurrected him, brought him to life after they thought he was dead. And somehow God took the resurrection and he brought a reunion. And for us, the only way we know that we can have a reunion with our loved ones who have died and gone on in the Lord. The only way is through the resurrection of Jesus himself and the resurrection that he will bring about in our lives one day. For he says, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's the key point. He rose again. If you believe that, if you trust in that, then one of these days there will be a greater resurrection as he brings forth more individuals to experience that life, and that resurrection that comes through him. 
There are days I long for it. There are days I long for his return. That he would just break the eastern sky and he would receive us unto himself. And it's going to happen. Don't doubt it. Jesus is going to return. And he could come any moment. Any moment. We've lost a little bit of that immediacy of his return, I think, or urgency. Let me just tell you, Jesus Christ could come at any moment. And when he comes, he'll receive those of us who have accepted him, trusted him, and we will know in full the glory of who he is and the wonderful relationships of what he has done in our lives. You can almost sense it, can't you? Almost see. One of these days, God will remove the glass so that we can see clearly. Hey, years ago, I want to close with this, but years ago, there was a young paper boy who would make his route in the city, who would throw the papers against the storefronts. And he, he would occasionally stop. He always stopped at this, like, toy store, uh, this toy shop. I say toy story because I'm programmed with Disney World, all right? But this toy shop, he would stop. He would look. He would, they, they said he would go up and he would, he, he would press against the glass and just kind of look in there and just see all the different things that they had. And uh, the owner of the shop would always see him. He'd come by there every day, of course, and he'd always see him. He'd wave at him, speak to him. And then a few days went by and the young man had not shown up. So the owner went out finally and caught some people and said, Hey, have you, you, the young boy, I don't even know his name. The, young boy, the, one, the one that comes by here with the papers and all. And, uh, have you seen him lately? He said, Well, actually he had an accident on his bike the other day. So he was delivering, so he was delivering papers. And uh, they have him down at the local hospital. The owner recognizing he had a moment to kind of maybe just go down and visit with the young man. He gathered up some of those toys that were there in that, in that window. And he went down. The boy was in this coma-like state, so he couldn't respond or anything. But the owner spoke to him and prayed with him and left those toys there, you know, on those like little lunch trays that you have in the Hospital, just put them right there. And he left. A few days later, that young man woke up. God had given him grace. And the first thing he saw were those toys. And they said he reached out and he grabbed them and he said, Look, Mama. Look, Mama. No glass. No glass. And friends, one of these days, it's what Paul said. Paul says, for now we see in a mirror darkly. 
or dimly. But then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. One of these days, God will remove the glass. We can only see through it dimly and darkly right now, but he will remove the glass one day. And we'll be able to shout and celebrate and give him the praise. Because he has reunited us and he has given us life because of the resurrection that was achieved by his son, the Lord Jesus. The themes of reunion and resurrection from Genesis to Revelation those themes are found in our scripture and I will say to you that those themes should be found in our lives because we have a God that can bring a reunion because he has brought a resurrection let's pray together father We come to you this morning. And Lord, we thank you for the simple message of Joseph and Jacob, that reunion. But we are so thankful that this idea of reunion and resurrection does not just stay in the book of Genesis. Lord, it finds its way throughout the biblical history. And even, Lord, it finds its way into our hearts and lives. And God, this morning in this place, there are some of us that need to experience reunion here on this earth. Broken relationships that need to be restored. People who are, it seems, living a life unpleasing and so far away from you. And so far away from your church. God, I pray, pray that you would bring a resurrection that is there. But God, also thank you that we can celebrate one day a reunion that will take place in the heavens themselves because of the power of the resurrection that your son achieved on our behalf. Father, speak to us now across this congregation. Help us to listen and to trust and to believe in both reunion and resurrection today. We pray it in Jesus' name.